Hi, this is Dan Cutchen, and welcome to the podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about cows in the book of Malachi, chapter 4. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever thought about being happy as a leaping calf, but I'd like to share a passage of scripture with you out of Malachi, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. God says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. God's will for you is to be happy as a cow. My brother and I spent a lot of time growing up on our grandparents' farm in South Alabama. We had 30 to 40 head of cattle at any one time, a large herd of pigs and chickens. When I was little, we still had a milk cow. Our crops were mostly peanuts for cash and corn for feed, and they had a large garden by the house. We had two fig trees, one pear tree, five pecan trees, and a scuppernong vine, which are like muscadine grapes. It was huge, which my brother and I used for ammunition when we played army. <laughs> I got my start in public speaking and performing at a young age. One performance area for my brother and me was on the tailgate of a pickup truck. We would dance and sing and perform many a variety show in front of the cows. They were way more attentive than many of the open mic coffee shop audiences I've experienced. <laughs> Since they were usually eating their hay, we considered it a dinner theater performance. Tips were lousy, but their appreciation for our talent was delightful. There was always a wonderful amount of mooing, bellowing, snorting, and grunting, and we typically received a standing ovation at the end. Actually, they were always standing. Nobody gave us flowers, but there was a delightful, deep smell of manure and grass. <sighs> when people think of happiness, cows are probably not the first thing that comes to their mind. Cows are heavy. An adult cow can weigh from 1,000 to 1,800 pounds. That's a lot of muscle, bones, and stomachs. Have you ever seen a cow jump around? It's kind of funny. Doesn't seem like they were made for leaping. And yet, when they're happy, that's what they do. In verse 2 of Malachi 4, it says, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. I don't know about you, but I've always struggled a bit with this concept of fearing the Lord. I mean, the thrust of the New Testament is in revealing God's love for us. But what does it mean to fear the Lord, to fear his name? Fear, in both the Hebrew and Greek, carries the same meaning. It is to dread, to be afraid, to be frightened. It can also be translated to revere, to respect. Paul tells us that people under the power of sin, people who are dead in their sins, have no fear of God before their eyes. That's in Romans 3.18, and it's actually a quote from Psalm 36.1. But the scriptures teach us that the fear of the Lord, this respect, this awe, this terror, this dread, is a good thing. So what is the fear of the Lord? To fear him, to fear his name. Well, there's some things that are said about it. I mean, some very popular 
well-known things about the fear of the Lord. The one that I always think of is in Proverbs 9.10, where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In fact, if anyone in the past would say to me, what's the fear of the Lord? I'd say, well, it's the beginning of wisdom. But that doesn't really answer the question of what is the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 1.7, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And it says fools despise wisdom and instruction. Once again, it describes something good about the fear of the Lord, but it doesn't tell us what the fear of the Lord is. Someone shared this with me, my goodness, years ago. changed my life. It said Proverbs 8.13 gives a very clear definition of what the fear of the Lord is. It says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Well, good. I'm really, I'm really upset with those abortionists and politicians and homosexuals and liars and backstabbers and, and the list goes on. You see it all the time on Facebook and social media. People are upset about a lot of stuff. But it may surprise you to know that God has a very different view of what it means to hate sin. The Old Testament declares what God is going to do to rebellious people. Over and over, the story is the same. Malachi describes it very clearly in verse 1. The day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evil doers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts. Wow, God is not messing around. But we are told over and over in the New Testament that the Old Testament law was terrible. It was insufficient at allowing us to be made right with God. In fact, the Old Testament's job is to show us how holy God is and just how unholy we are. But Jesus took the place of sinners, and he took the punishment that we should have endured. And that is the core of God's heart. And by faith in Jesus and what he has accomplished for us, we have this precious gift of salvation from this penalty of our sinful nature. We say, we're getting saved. I'm saved. Say, what do you mean? Well, you're going you're gonna to suffer God's wrath, but he loves you. The heart of salvation is that God substitutes himself for man. And rather than condemning us, Jesus was condemned. But we so often substitute ourselves for God. And instead of telling people the truth with a heart of love, we condemn them. But Paul said the love of Christ compels us. When we stand before God on that great day of judgment, none of us will have the privilege of pointing our fingers at anyone else. But it's so hard to see the depths of my own sin. It's so hard to see that my arrogance is really that bad. Because as the scriptures say, our hearts are deceitfully wicked and who can know it? And it's so easy to see the sins of the people around you. Now, does hating our sin mean we ignore injustice, greed, sexual sin, etc., in others? Well, no. It's the how that is important. How we treat others reveals what we really believe about the message of the Scriptures. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 16 to watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. And then 
this little sentence that I had not really heard that much in my life in relationship to this passage. Let everything you do be done in love. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a beautiful and powerful definition of godly love, which is impossible in our own human flesh. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Our stand against sin must always be done with a humble attitude. We are called to trust in God to deal with issues. Our job is to be prepared, be loving, and humble. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Respect Christ as Lord. Honor Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But, and here's the, once again, I the last part of this, that something I had not really heard much, or at least caught, I should say that. But do this with gentleness and respect. Wow. So this takes a lot of faith. But God has made promises to us who humble ourselves and open ourselves up to him for instruction and discipline. Now, I love this next part. He said, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Now, the New Testament never refers to Jesus as the son of righteousness. But as we look back at Malachi through the eyes of the gospel, we see the promise that only Christ can fulfill. Jesus is described in Revelation 22 as the bright morning star. And even back in Numbers chapter 24, when Balaam was prophesying for Moab, and he, he couldn't help himself, he, he ended up prophesying the good things about Israel. He, he said, I see him now. I behold him. He's not right here. I see him. He's coming. A star will come out of Jacob, and a scepter will rise up out of Israel, and he will crush his enemies. Jesus is the bright and morning star. And in verse 1 of Malachi 4, the prophet describes this furnace of fire that God is preparing for those who reject him. And then in verse 2, we see another use of this furnace in the sky. The word used for sun here, and I love this, carries the sub-meaning of rays or wings. So the rays of sunshine, it really, and it is translated in some, some translations as rays of sunshine, sunbeams. The contrast between this furnace of fire for the arrogant and basking in his sunshine is so impressive. In fact, the word healing here is the word used for to soothe, to cure, to remedy. Uh, it has this idea of calmness and tranquility. So God makes a promise to those who hate their own sin, who hate their pride, who hate their own arrogance, shortcomings, and deception. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord. He says, for those, I will bring a cure for your soul sickness. I will bring calm and serenity to your heart. James 4.6 says, he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble Jesus died to take the punishment that was intended for us. And Romans 5 says, because he died, we can be made right with God. And because he lives, we can have eternal life. It takes a humble heart to believe only Jesus can deliver us from our sins and keep us in the center of God's love. But here's the promise from Malachi. For you who fear my name, 
for you who humble yourselves, who hate your sin, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings, and you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Man, all that heaviness, all that, all that weight. God it can create create that thing in us by by what He does in our hearts when we believe and why we humble ourselves. All of a sudden, now all that weight we can go leaping like cows. Wow. Okay, let's get to leaping. If you'd like to find out more about our ministry, please check out dancutchin.com.